And immediately before we started recording, I took a drink of sparkling water and it's done some interesting things to the the yeah, saliva balance in my mouth. A little saliva balance. I thought you were going to talk about the bubbles in it that, you know, I don't know, do weird things to your esophagus sometimes. I guess, but I don't talk through my esophagus. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to breathe through it, don't you? Don't you? No. Don't you have to breathe and swallow and... No. You know what a glottis is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the point of the glottis, it's a flap that covers your air tube when you're eating so you don't choke. If you're then why food, do I so often choke on my own saliva? Because you're bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to tell I you, have a, but those I, are different tubes. I was going to say, I, I'm trying to think of a good adjective. I have a good, or yeah, adjective. I have a, a, a giddy glottis. I have a... Yeah, it's, oh. it's just not coming. I have a glottal attack. Yes. Yes. Ah. Yeah, like that. So <laughs> if that just burned your ears out, I apologize. Yeah. I was demonstrating well, that I know what a glottal attack is. I can't stop mine. I really tried. Because um, when I was in broadcasting school, I get, used to get marked down for my glottal attack. Um, when I hit vowels, I start with my glottis closed over my air tube Mm -hmm. and then as i start talking it flies open so whereas a word is supposed to kind of um start gradually like a skateboard ramp Mm -hmm. mine is a cliff it just starts if i start on a vowel (laughs) so you're a serious glottal attacker glottal attacker yeah yeah dad is too apparently yeah Yeah. yeah, he is yeah i've heard him say that i have no control over my glottis and um that's something new that you know about me now <laughs> and I feel so much closer. Uh, you right? Sometimes <laughs> we say this all the time, but mm-hmm. um, we recently did your fun- the fundraiser for Straight Talk Ministries, mm-hmm. which is the ministry you and Dad work for with, run, founded, I don't, founded, sure, any of those. Um, oh, hey, I got a new tattoo that I don't think I've shown you yet. We'll get there. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Back to the fundraiser. Uh, yeah, and. Um, Got to hear from people who actually listen to the show. Hi, if you're listening, you're wonderful. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we so often forget that people actually listen. And so I'm like, man, there are people out here who know things about me that I have forgotten that I have shared. I know, right? <laughs> and it's quite strange. As an author, right? Like I share quite um, authentically in my books. And there's a lot of people out there that know me that I don't know at all and yeah. that's very weird to meet someone like don't that. get me mm-hmm. wrong it's lovely however if this sounds so unbelievably full of myself ourselves whatever the unit that is we our hive mind that we have <laughs> I took meds today I don't know what's wrong with me anyway um if you ever do come up to us please take a second to consider have we met in person before because if we haven't I don't know who you are, and I would love to. I would love to. But sometimes I think people forget, and they just kind of start talking like we know each other. And I'm like, I, I, I would love to know you, and I don't. Um, <laughs> and if we have met before, 
Um, maybe do me a quick favor and remind me because I do have the memory of a goldfish. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me uh, too. And I'm bad and, with faces. And having said all that, we love, love, love hearing from listeners. Yes, please. Because sometimes we feel like we're all alone in the blanket fort. Yeah. Oh, and also at the... <laughs> we haven't seen each other in a while. At the fundraiser, <laughs> someone told me that they envisioned us like... Sitting on the floor with these blankets yeah. <laughs> over our heads, and that's not really what the blank fort looks like. And and when I uh, mentioned that to, um, I was just in Ontario, and mm. I met Mike Blair, a producer, mm. for the first time. Is that what, even is, though he's been producing us for a really long for time, years, yeah. Um, and he said, well, that's kind of what I envisioned with the blanket <laughs> fort. He said, you've got to show us pictures of the blanket We've fort. We've so- posted photos. We'll, we'll do our videos today from yeah, the blanket fort. Uh, that's what I thought we would do, yeah. too. Because we have posted actually constructing the blanket fort. Yes, yes. We did yeah, a time lapse, time lapse of it. That's yeah. good content. Y'all are missing out. This is why you have to follow the socials. Yeah. This is why you have to follow Grow on the Go Pod. Okay. Because uh, we're posting stuff there. Otherwise, you wouldn't have known that we both had broken feet at the same time. <laughs> right. And How is your ankle, by the way? Might be broken. Um, mostly fine. Sitting cross-legged still hurts, which Might is be broken. Might mm. be broken. Mm. If only someone had suggested you go get an x-ray. <laughs> I know, but I'm busy. <laughs> oh, you're not, you don't even have a job right now. I have busy. a job starting Monday. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. And you've been doing contract work. And I, and honestly, I'm always more busy when I'm unemployed. That's weird. I don't know what happens. It just... Suddenly, I'm responsible for managing my schedule, first of all, which is a nightmare. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> and, like, I'm doing so many things mm-hmm. trying to make things happen, but m- multiple bowls, ha- bowls. Balls, balls have to start rolling before I can do that thing. And it's like, start, uh, I'm not a project manager. <laughs> <laughs> which is something you don't probably have to do in your new job. Well, I'm sure there will probably be at least a little bit, but, you know, you always have to eat your vegetables. That's true. And every job has a part that isn't your favorite. Yep. And that's fine. Yeah. Well, today, I would like us to think about, (laughs) nice segue again, how we can use our time. (laughs) When we call out genuinely good segues, it's because we did not do it on purpose. (laughs) True. When we call out bad segues, it's because we did do it on purpose we and it was awful. so hard. <laughs> okay, so I want us to think about how we can use our time, our money, and our creativity to live our most fulfilling life. Hmm. We are obviously powerfully influenced by our culture when it comes to making choices about how we want to live and how we want to invest our lives. So sometimes we don't really think hard enough about whether or not those decisions are wise. I mean, if everybody around us is doing the same thing, it feels like it just must be right, right? Mm, I guess. Yeah. So an example of the power of cultural persuasion that interests me as someone with a past career in interior design is the way we're influenced by decorating trends, particularly Mm. colors. Hmm. Um, You know, I, I think there must be a handful of people who sit in a room together somewhere in the world. Pantone. Oh. Okay. They every year there's a color of the year. I know, and that's but, at the beginning of but the year. Is that for decorating and everything? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you think my glottal attack was bad? She just had a, like an actual attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think okay. they do. Okay. I think, well, like, like, um, I think not this year, but the year before. I think that's when like lilac or lavender. Mm became a very popular color and it is everywhere interesting okay so that it that makes sense to me that that's why 
um, we are so influenced by whatever colors are big in decorating. Um, yeah, so in the 1970s, mm -hmm. these people, these wise people, whoever they are, yep. Um, told us that we wanted earth tones. And so everybody went out and got their avocado fridge. Yes. And their orange and their kitchen. shag carpet that you actually had to rake. Ew. Either chocolate brown or rust or gold or something. Everything that... was was ugh, muddy and ugly. Yeah, so but but that was that was what we loved. That's what we were told we loved and we did. And then in the eighties pastels became the thing and we all ripped those depressing earth tones out of our rooms and filled them with fresh pinks, mauves, and greens. But only a few years later, we hated those pale colors. And why? Because they weren't in anymore. And so we told, tore them out and replaced them with the deep, muted, cool hues of the day. But then those began to look old and musty and dull. And we purged our homes and offices We're once again tones, so right? that we could have... Oh, you stole my Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was going to say wait for it, but nobody did. Uh, earth tones. Well, I was just, I was, I was following along by what I remember our living room looking like through the uh, years. <laughs> right. And, and the hilarious thing is now we're in this 50 shades of gray season, at least in this part of the country. Yeah. No, not the Not book, 50 shades of gray. Not the actual. But several book, shades. But yeah. People decorate in gray and gray and gray and gray and white and black and gray and gray. Yeah. And personally, I didn't really buy into that because we live in Calgary. Your sweater is white, gray, and black, but that's fine. My sweater, but not my house. We are <laughs> sitting in a lime green room, I'll have you know. I'm just saying. I just uh, need color because if you look outside nine months of the year, it's, it's beige. It's beige or gray or taupe. Yeah. Which taupe sort of is beige, but that's fine. Beige plus gray. Being a little pedantic today, apparently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, all this to say that our culture tells us what to value. And mm -hmm. when everybody around us values the same things, it becomes normal. So our lack of objectivity about the influences that surround us magnifies our environment's influence over us. We swim in a cultural current where it seems normal to be rushed and stressed, Sometimes we want too much, so we work too much, and some of us say yes too often because being needed and wanted strokes our egos. Often we're too busy making a living to decide how we want to live, or we're too tired from driving our kids to all their lessons and practices to teach them what's really important. Mm -hmm. Sometimes our thinking is too fragmented to deliberately establish our own priorities before God, let alone ask him about his. In our culture, all of this is normal. But normal isn't always good. It isn't necessarily right, and it doesn't necessarily lead to a life that we enjoy. Sometimes investing the ways our culture promotes doesn't make a lot of sense in the long term. So how can we know what matters enough to be worth our time, our money, and our attention? Most of us know people who put their life savings into an investment that went bust, or we've heard of people who spent seven years of their life and tens of thousands of dollars on a university education only to be unable to find a job. Mm -hmm. We hate that. We hate the thought that that could happen to us, that we could sacrifice and then have it not even matter. We want to invest our lives wisely. Now, what makes this difficult is that we can't predict the future. Mm. In fact, I'm told that a market analyst is simply an expert who will know tomorrow why the things he predicted yesterday didn't happen today. 
Well, the Bible gives us a lot of great advice on long-term investing. It begins with letting that day, the day we stand before Jesus, inspire this day that we're living in right now. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 helps us get objective about our life investment strategy. These verses outline for us three signature worldly attitudes of short-term investing. In the Passion Translation, it says this, Don't set the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. For all that the world can offer us, the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of the things of the world, and the obsession with status and importance, none of these things come from the Father, but from the world. So I've summarized these three signature attitudes or appetites as sensualism, what this passage called the gratification of the flesh, materialism, the allurement of things of the world, and egotism, the passage called it the obsession with status and importance. So it's interesting if you think about advertising slogans. They almost, they almost always fall into one of these three signature appetites or attitudes. Mm. Like, for example, one marketing campaign that I remember said, you shouldn't have to wait for a good thing. Only it was more like, you shouldn't have to wait for a good thing. Well, that's a short-term investment strategy. If you're only in the market for the short term, why wait for what you want? But whole life investors know there's more to life than the short term. Here's some wisdom from the Bible. He, meaning Jesus, was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterwards. Now he's seated in the place of highest honor beside God's throne. That's Hebrews 12 too, in case you're interested. So turns out sometimes you should have to wait for a good thing. It develops patience and character in a person's heart and helps them live beyond the small circle of self. Abraham waited a quarter of a century for a rightful heir. That's a long time. When you see your fertility <laughs> shrinking. Dwindling away. Yeah. Although I'm not mm-hmm. sure he knew exactly kind of what the stats were on that at the time. I'm sure he didn't, but I also think it was definitely a miracle. That oh, yeah. Well, Sarah was, was to, like mm, 100 or 90. Something like that. Sarah? 99, I think. Yeah, she was not young. But she's not the only example. Then Joseph languished for years in an Egyptian dungeon. David dodged spears and arrows for decades after he was anointed king Mm -hmm. because he refused to take the throne he knew would be his before God's appointed time. It's often God's will that we wait for a good thing. David just wanted God's help, but God wanted a man after his own heart. Joseph wanted out of prison. God wanted a prime minister. Abraham wanted a son. God wanted a savior. Sometimes it's in the waiting room that we begin to see the big picture. Mm -hmm. So let's look a little bit more closely at these three signature attitudes. Um, These are the attitudes that make up the stream of culture that we swim in every day. So they definitely affect our thinking. First of all, sensualism. Sensualism feeds the sense that our desire should be met right now. And it's often responsible for the destruction of marriages and even the abandonment of children. I think every one of us knows a heartbroken family living in the wake of this kind of selfishness. The reality is that the boundaries that God has drawn around our lives are for our own good and the good of those whose lives bump up against ours. They protect us as well as restrict us. 
Chasing what I want when I want it will ultimately cause pain. It's that insistent pursuit of satisfying our needs apart from God and his plan for getting our needs met. So that's our first ism, sensualism. The second ism our passage warns us against is materialism. Now, I think most of us have kind of a love-hate relationship with stuff, mm. right? I mostly love stuff. Mm. Do you? Yeah, I'm but, a maximalist. I mean, we love it because getting it feels good. Mm -hmm. And the possessions that we accumulate, they define us and validate us. But we hate it because we have to clean it mm. and insure it and service it and store it. And yet the magnetic attraction of material things means shopping in person or online has, has become a major pastime for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, a day without an Amazon pack, package arriving mm -hmm. is like a day without sunshine, <laughs> especially during the pandemic. And, and by the way, materialism isn't just about having a lot. Mm. It's about wanting more. Mm-hmm. Right, because there's lots of people who don't have a lot who are materialistic, and yeah. there's lots of people who do who are, and the reverse. Vice versa, yeah. I love what Christian futurist Tom Sign said. He said, we need to live simply so others can simply live. Mm -hmm. It's hard to live simply in our culture. There are so many things that because of the isms of our culture, we think we need. We need our lattes, our designer clothes, our heated leather car seats, and our beach vacations. Or even, like, not even necessarily designer mm -hmm. clothes. And you and I are, are very guilty of Lots this. Lots of clothes. More clothes. Yeah. yeah. True. Must it's, have an outfit for everything. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah. It's true. I hate not having the right thing to wear. I hate something. not having the right thing. And the more <laughs> things you get, the more things you need to go with that thing. <laughs> That's true, too. Or, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyhow, you and I are both guilty. Of that. We are guilty of that. It's true. And and I'm not here to tell anybody what you know what's what what's wrong to have and what's not wrong mm -hmm. to have. Each person has to determine before God how to spend the money entrusted to them. I don't know how you should spend your money, but if we're letting that day, the day we stand to give an account before God, inspire this day, the day we're living in now. How can we prioritize all of our luxuries before the needs of the poor? Mm -hmm. I, I'm really grateful that despite the fact that I have a lot of clothes, a lot of them thrift stores, yeah. thrift store yeah. finds, but still. And that's what I meant by mm -hmm. like, some maybe the pieces you own themselves aren't expensive, but maybe you own a lot of mm -hmm. them that mm -hmm. might be thrifted or handmade or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true in my case. Huh. And mine. <laughs> Um, but I am grateful that God has begun to show me that there's more fulfillment in giving to others than accumulating stuff for mm -hmm. myself. So that's the second ism. The third ism um, or, or, or signature attitude of our culture's thinking is egotism. Mm -hmm. Egotism is the obsession with our own status and importance. Mm. It's about staying on top and making sure everybody knows it. Mm. You're smirking. Do you I have feel very to convicted. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm going through a bit of a transition career-wise. Yeah. And I have been very cognizant of what I do and don't post regarding that transition. Because I don't want people to think I've fallen or lost any ground that I gained. Yeah, or failed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm. which I, I, I really haven't, but I don't want anyone to think that I have moved backwards. Right. Um, 
Anyway. Okay. That's that's why that's I was fair. making that face. Okay. Yeah, I was like, yeah. huh, I see. But I've noticed that I've noticed that people who are truly great don't, who don't need to let everyone know that, that they're the top of the heap. Yeah. It, it, I always thought it was kind of interesting. My dad was um, a lawyer and an executive at an oil company. But if anybody asked him what he did, he didn't say, oh, I'm a lawyer. He'd say, I work for Dole Petroleum. Mm. And in the same breath, if uh, he was describing what your mom did, he called her a nation builder. He did. When she was, she a, was homemaker. a homemaker. Yeah, yeah, which, valid. Yeah. So. Yeah, he always um, conferred a great deal of dignity on mm-hmm. someone who stayed at home to raise kids. To raise and a family and, make, and maintain a home. a home. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's interesting that often people who really are great don't feel the need to tell everybody they're the top of the heap. And mm-hmm. in fact, the only time Jesus ever insisted on being on top, it was on top of a hill hanging on a cross. Mm. And in the first century, the only people who carried crosses were convicted criminals, people with no rights at all, people who could expect to be shunned and shamed, not revered or respected. Jesus invites us to take up a cross too. But we need to carry our cross, accepting the position of a person who carried a cross in Jesus' day. No demands, no sense of entitlement, fully realizing that what comes our way may not elevate us and leave us feeling successful and superior. Mm. It was in Matthew 16, 24, that Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For I, or sorry, for the Son of Man will come with his angels in in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Jesus was reminding us to let that day inspire this day. But I think it's really important to notice that Jesus doesn't ask us to take up his cross. Mm -hmm. He's asking us to pick up our own. Mm -hmm. And what that really means is he wasn't primarily referring to suffering. He was talking about surrender. Just as the cross at Golgotha was God's will for Jesus, our cross is symbolic of God's specific will for us that he's asking us to surrender to. Most of us want to live lives fully surrendered to God, most of us who are Jesus followers. But it's so easy for us to buy into the signature appetites of the world without even realizing it Mm -hmm. and without recognizing how totally opposite they are to the values of God. So if sensualism and materialism and egotism are the signature values of a short-term investment strategy, what are God's contrasting values? What would you say would be God's value in place of sensualism? Faithfulness is the first thing that comes to mind. Faithfulness? Yeah, I think that's a good answer. Also self-control, right? Like self-control says, it doesn't really matter if it feels good or not. Mm -hmm. If it's not right, I won't do it. Mm -hmm. And faithfulness is a very specific way of um, employing self-control. That's funny because I see it as the opposite. Ah. Uh, self-control is a symptom of faithfulness is how I see it because I am Hmm. being faithful I'm choosing not to engage in this thing even though it might feel good okay yeah interesting chicken or the egg I can I can accept that and then materialism is the next one 
what would you say would be a, res a God response to materialism? Selflessness? Well, yeah. I guess that is true of all of these, but mm. generosity. Is, yeah, generosity. Is the word I used. Yeah. Generosity says what I have belongs to God, not me. Mm -hmm. It's all just kindness capital. Mm. <laughs> so I'll hold it with an open hand because it doesn't really it doesn't really belong to me. It's mm -hmm. just for me. I'm just holding it. It's I'm holding it in order to be a conduit of God's love and kindness to mm -hmm. other people. And instead of egotism, servanthood. Mm. What would you have said? I would have said selflessness again. Apparently yeah. I've run out of all the all, all the, all the, the adjectives. It's not an adjective, is it? Selflessness. Selflessness. I, well, I don't know. You're, you're, you're the, the deep writer. in the weeds. <laughs> well, I guess I'm a writer you're, too. Yeah, you have you books. actually learned how to be a writer. I just I took one college English class. class <laughs> I didn't even take a college English class. <laughs> did you not? No, I took script writing. Oh yeah, okay. Well, you did that, but that's not studying the language. No, that's, it really isn't. That's writing incorrectly so people read it the way you want them to yeah <laughs> that's what script that's reading is manipulative writing yeah basically. yeah yeah. Okay. yeah well if we have servanthood in our lives we wander around with the attitude how can i help mm. i'm not too important to serve you in serving you i'm serving christ we can let that day inspire this day by integrating the values of self-control generosity and servanthood into our lives those are the signature values of the long-term investor you see when we're protective of our lifestyle and our security we actually risk a lot more than when we release those temporary things to god in exchange for chasing his goals i love the way jim elliott put it before he was martyred i don't know if you know his story but he was he went to a very um primitive tribe Stone Age, really. Um, I would say probably in the 40s-ish. Anyway, he was martyred. But before that happened, he said this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So I think that, you know, putting all life's choices into the context of eternity, that day, right? Heaven and hell. And the brief shelf life of our mortal bodies, that's when we begin to really evaluate what wise investing really is. Hmm. Yeah. So talking we've kind of we've kind of um gone over some things that you and I could stand to work on. Uh, um yeah. <laughs> Yeah, please don't ever think, dear listeners, that we only talk about things. Oh we've goodness, gone no, all no, 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 <laughs> no. But what I, what I was kind of going to say is like, is there? How do we do inventory? How do mm. we how do we go through and go like, okay, I have a gap here that I need mm -hmm. to uh, to fill. Well, I do think um, there are times I look at my closet and I think someone should be wearing this a whole lot more than I. Yep, me too. And um, and so I. I always have a bag ready to take to my local thrift store that also happens to support missions. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I don't feel that I spend too much on on clothing mm. because I am so frugal. I, I visit things until they go on clearance, yeah. <laughs> things like that. Does it occupy too much brain space? Probably. Mm. Yeah. So that's something I can work on for sure. How about you? Um so both of those things i'm uh i'm fighting an eating disorder which means i 
spend a lot of time looking in the mirror. It's called body checking. And um, as a result, I buy a lot of clothes in an attempt mm. to feel good in my mm -hmm. body. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we would encourage you to, to sort of do a similar inventory. Yeah. Go through those things. Um, and, and see what should what needs to move, where the needle needs to move. That sounds good. Um, we'd encourage you to subscribe on your favorite app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. And, of course, you can listen anytime using the MyJoy Radio app. But that is it for us today on Girl on the Go. I'm Kevin Pankhurst. And I'm Donna Carter. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com. 